You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. As it pertains to those kind of fourth down situations, uh, obviously analytics are very popular in football these days. Do analytics factor in to some of those decisions as you're making them, or is it kind of just feel of the game? Well, look, we do a lot of analytics throughout the week. We talk about a lot of scenarios. We talk about a lot of situations that come up in NFL games and college games. We go through a lot of these uh, analysis throughout the week. And, and ultimately, the decision comes down to, you know, what's the gut feeling that gives us the best chance to win? And, and analytics are a factor in that. But analytics are not the determining factor in that. Back here on Inside Black and Gold, and that was Dennis Allen talking about analytics. The question and the term that very few people seem to understand on Twitter. I tweeted that answer, and someone was like, well, what the analytics told him to put Marquez Callaway in the game on third and one? He's like, that's not, that's not no. how they're used. Right. right. These are methods that you use to identify when you should go for it on fourth down, when you should punt versus, you know, be more aggressive, when you should go for two, that sort of thing. You know, and the analytics in most cases will tell you fourth and short, you should go. And it is interesting because you look at college and you look at a guy like Brian Kelly, you know, not exactly a spring chicken, but this guy uses analytics like more than anyone. And, and I think that's very true in college, like across the board, you see Lane Kiffin, even Kirby Smart is going for two to get up 27 instead of 25. And he's like, yeah, the analytics said go. So we went. And it's like, it's just funny that you hear that in college and then you get to the NFL and it's like, yeah, we're going our by our gut feeling. And, you know, it's, I don't trust Dennis Allen's gut. Oh, right. Like, there are way too many moments, especially in that game, they, like kicking a field goal on fourth and short in the red zone where like being up 13 is no better than being up 10. I actually would argue that being up 13 is worse than being up 10. 
And I said this in the podcast after the game because you're up two scores either way. And especially against a guy like Tom Brady, who's as good as anyone at coming back, you're going to be more conservative on that last drive once you get into field goal range, knowing that a field goal will tie the game. And instead, you're down six, so you have to get in the end zone, right? I think there's a decent chance that Tom Brady settles for a field goal on that drive, knowing that, okay, I don't want to take a risk and turn the ball over when we have a field goal in the bag. And so, like, I would I would have never kicked that field goal, even though at the time I understood it because you just didn't want to give any momentum. And I think momentum is is the big question when you're talking about, okay, should I trust the analytics and go for it versus should I trust my gut and not go for it and punt it in, in Bucks territory, right? Because the question is, are you sacrificing momentum if you don't get it? And the real question is, does momentum really exist in football? Because when you see a game end the way it did, I would argue, no, it does not. Momentum is a myth when you're playing Tom Brady. Because at any point, he can flip a switch and 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 cut your heart out of your body, just like he did to the Saints. Yeah, he's able to sway the momentum, I guess you could say. But I, I don't know if they were so conservative with the play calling. And like you said, you're you're afraid to not take the points when you're on the road. I don't know if maybe it's a different call if you were in the Superdome against the Bucks, but it it definitely felt way too passive, especially against a guy like Tom Brady. And you heard it from Dennis Allen after the game talking about it. When you got a chance to put the goat away, you got to put him away. And and this team, the play calling that they they did wasn't to put him away. It was letting him linger. Yeah, but he's he's talking more about executing, right? Like he's talking about like Taysom Hill not being able to hold on to that ball, Chris Olave not being able to hold on to that ball, Jarvis Landry not being able to hold on to that ball. That's what he's talking about. How many times do we see Jarvis make that one-handed grab in practice? That's ridiculous. Yeah. I did. I tweeted at the time like it'd be nice to see him go for that with two hands. But then you think about it, and it's like he probably makes that catch more frequently with one hand than he does if he tries to dive and catch it with two. <laughs> so it's just you know it's just bad luck, but. No, but it's different. Like the way he's talking about putting a guy away, it's he he wants to put him away with in the first three downs, right? But you put him away by going for it on fourth down and 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 scoring a touchdown, and you know on third and one in Bucks territory with a little under six minutes to go. Even after Mark Ingram went out of bounds, like I get it, Mark Ingram should have got the first down. But if you're going with the analytics, the analytics are going to tell you that you have two downs to get one yard. Right, and sneak it. QB sneak power. it twice. <laughs> like I get it. You you have a sixteen to three lead, and you, and you want to just you want to just make sure you don't do anything that's going to make it easier on Tom Brady. But you cannot play that way against that guy. And the analytics would tell you that. And the only reason you don't is because your gut is telling you we have the momentum. Don't do anything stupid. And so here here's an example like. Of this is not just this game. This is all season. Uh, ben Baldwin, he's the open source guy for the Athletic, and he has this fourth down model that it, it basically calculates when you should go for it on fourth down versus when you should punt. And the the cutoff is if going for it on fourth down gives you at least a one percent edge in terms of you are more likely to win a game by going for it than punting, then you should go for it. And it's just kind of where that cutoff is. And so. You know, they kind of track this all season long. 
And it just kind of says, okay, how many times did you go for it when this model says you should have gone for it? This graphic goes by percentages, right? So it's like not just, a, it's a, not a volume thing. The bills went for it 70% of the time in those situations. They went for it 12 times. That that leads the NFL in terms of percentages. The, the Bucks actually lead the NFL in total times they have done it, which is going for fourth down when this model tells you should go. And they're not using this model, but it's just kind of, a way to track it. They've gone for it 30 times in those instances throughout the course of this season. And they've ended up there a lot. So they're actually a lower percentage. How many times this season would you guess the Saints have gone for it on fourth down in instances where this model tells you they should have gone for it? I'm going to say a wonderful big fat zero. Zero times. Zero times have they gone for it when this model, which I would argue is pretty spot on, tells you you should go for it. The next does it say how many, lowest. Does it say team. how many scenarios they were in? And no, because it's it's okay. going by percentages, so I, I don't have that in front of me. But either way, it's it's a solid number. The next lowest team is five, and the Jets are the lowest percentage team closest to them, and they have gone for it on thirteen of these plays. And so you look at it, and you're like, this is not a team that's using analytics to make in-game decisions, right? They might use it to make their game plan decisions, but they are not by any stretch using analytics. To, to improve their chances to win in a game. And, you know, it's funny because you go back and you look down at college, like I, like I said, and you are a little bit more innovative in college. It's always been the case, right? You see stuff kind of bubble up to the NFL from the college ranks. It rarely goes the other way. You know, and I think as we get further down the road, you're going to see that happen. But it's very clear that the Saints are very much behind the curve on using analytics to their advantage. Yeah, and what's odd is, with all this, to me at least, from more than one pretty close source to this team, everybody, I won't say everybody, the, the folks that told me basically that Pete Carmichael Jr. was a more aggressive play caller even than Sean Payton. Aggressive and, 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 and analytically inclined are two different things. And aggressive and making bold decisions are, are not the same thing. Like You can be aggressive and go down the field. But I want you to be aggressive in terms of putting a team away. And those are two different things, right? I think that would come down to him, though, too, going, hey, Dennis, I got to play here. We can get this first. Yeah, I mean, he could step up and be like, let's do this. But, hey, he also called a pass on third and one to Marquez Calloway. So, hey, that was bold. So here's a, so ESPN put out a survey of, like, the analytically inclined teams. This came out this week. And so here are the teams that are that are at the bottom. Like, which teams are the least analytically advanced? That list includes the Tennessee Titans, the Washington Commanders, the Chicago Bears, New Orleans Saints, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Detroit Lions, Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think that's interesting. So outside of the Bears, you look at these teams and you and you see kind of the 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 reasoning for why they are down at the bottom. And it's a lot of times it's because you have an entrenched long-term coach who yeah. has done things a certain way his entire career or someone who has studied at the foot of a long-term coach who has done things his entire career, and they've kind of adopted that for themselves. Tennessee Titans, Mike Vrabel, Bill Belichick, so you can make that connection. Washington Commanders, Ron Rivera. You know, he's Riverboat Ron, but he's not doing anything other than taking risks. Like, he's not using analytics to make those risks. He's just a no. risky guy. <laughs> the Bears, Matt Eberflus, he's kind of a he's kind of a wild card. The New Orleans Saints, Dennis Allen. You can draw a direct line from Dennis Allen to Sean Payton. Tampa Bay Bucks. you can draw a direct line from Todd Bowles to Bruce Arians. Yeah, who's still hanging around the team constantly. Right. Detroit Lions, you can draw a direct line from 
Dan Campbell to Sean Payton, Pittsburgh Steelers, Mike Tomlin. So like there is a direct correlation between, you know, these long entrenched coaches and being less analytically advanced. Right. And so I just think it's interesting, you know, as we go down the road. And one of the things that I want to see is this team get more modern in terms of how they view these these products. Right. And I'd like to see from a play calling perspective, someone who is not in a direct line to Sean Payton. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Well, that's, I mean, that was the whole thing with this franchise going into this year. They wanted that continuity. That's why basically everybody under that whole regime is still around. Yeah, and they're, and they're using this, the analytics. This has been consistent, right? They are using the same, anal- they, they are using analytics the exact same way Sean Payton used analytics, right? From, a, from an offensive perspective, this team is operating as closely as it can to the Sean Payton style of operation and the Sean Payton style of decision-making. And the problem is, you don't have Sean Payton making those decisions. Yeah. Right. There is a method to the madness, but like there's a reason that he's the guy. I think that too often this season, you have seen this team try to be an image of themselves as opposed to themselves. And it's just led to this offense with no identity. You don't never know who's coming or going. You can't seem to incorporate all of your weapons at one time, whether, you know, this game, you couldn't get Alvin Kamara going other games, you know, you just decided, okay, yeah, Taysom's not going to be involved. Rashid's not going to be involved. And it's just, this team is just trying every week to, to come up with what it is. And at the end of the day, I just don't think you really have anything. Yeah. The problem is, like you said, you're trying to do what Sean Payton did, but you don't have Sean Payton. And that's a guy that, I don't know. I feel like I'm not sure if he he relied more on analytics or the gut, honestly, his football quote unquote instincts. No, yeah, I just think the way they use analytics is is not the way the modern football world has shown you that you should, right? Which you know there are it should go the opposite direction where a majority of the time you are trusting what the numbers are telling you, right? Like. Brian Kelly will come up to a press conference after the game and they'll say, well, why'd you go for it here? And he said, well, the analytics were green and it, and I thought it made sense. So we went, right? It's yeah. the same reason that you go for two against Alabama because you know your odds are not getting any better than having one play to win the game, right? And th- those are the type of decisions that if you're not analytically inclined, you're not going to make because you're just, you're just kind of going by the book, right? And the, the really interesting exception is John Harbaugh. Because John Harbaugh is a guy who has been there forever with the Ravens, but he's he is one of the more analytically inclined people in the NFL. He's going, he's making crazy decisions out there to the point that it's like, really, you're going to go for two here and lose the game? All right, good for you. But I think it's you know it, it kind of goes down to the to the core of that team, which is hey, yeah, they drafted Lamar Jackson, right? A guy who a lot of the old school NFL heads would have been like, yeah, he's not an NFL quarterback. Well. They made him an NFL quarterback by adjusting their system to more of a college system and and making some of his reads a little more like college reads. And so you have an offense that people aren't ready for because you are being proactive and you are adjusting on the fly and you're making the system work to the players that you have in it. And that's where I get really frustrated because 
you see Alvin Kamara, and we really went hard on Alvin Kamara in that last segment, but I don't know if it's necessarily an Alvin Kamara problem, or it's like, why are there no plays designed to get Alvin the ball where he can do what he does best, right? Like, how many times are you just seeing Alvin just pound his head into the line, and then Mark Ingram is the guy you're using as your pass catching back, <laughs> right? Like, like it's just there's so much disconnect between what this team should be and what they are on a regular basis. And you know, we're gonna this kind of leads us well into our next segment, uh, which is going to be about drastic coaching changes. And uh, I think that you're going to look back at this season, you're going to see all of these missed opportunities and and all of these these chances you had with the weapons that you have on the roster. And you're going to be like, man, what what are we doing? Why did we do it this way? And you're going to want to see a change in the in the regime, at least down the line. I don't know if from the top down, but at least down the line. No, it definitely feels like, you know, going already into next year. I know, you know, there's still four games left, but, uh, you know, you essentially said it. The season's over. You're not playing for the playoffs here anymore. And it'll be interesting to see besides, you know, Dennis Allen not talking about there not being any coaching changes what kind of roster decisions lie ahead? Are you still going to bring back like a Marshawn Lattimore who sat out now after being limited in practice the last two weeks and it felt like he was on his way back? But at this point, do you rush a guy? I don't want to say rush, but do you bring a guy like him back into this lineup when you already know he's dealing with a serious uh, abdomen injury that's kept him out this long? And there's going to be yeah, a, a bunch question. of other – there's going to be another guys too. Pete Warner. I don't want to see this team – pretend it has a chance to make the playoffs and use that to justify bringing guys back that are that might not be in the shape that so I agree with you like that's going to be interesting to watch and you have a week and a half and you know these guys if they're healthy they're going to play right like you can't protect players from football just because you want to save them for next year but I do think that that's a good question it's sad too because you know obviously four weeks left for the Saints obviously this bye week we're waiting to see more football, but you know it's it's going to be a, a long, hard road these last four games, and also you know just interesting to see how the team in general responds when they know kind of nothing's on the line anymore. What's going to be funny is when they beat the Eagles on New Year's Day and still give them a top five pick. I, I know I was I was joking with some folks. It's like you know the Saints are going to win out now, of course, and just miss the playoffs. And it'll it'll be and you know just as just like last season kind of thing where oh they were oh so close but fell short and we're going to be talking about how many games there was those woulda coulda shoulda moments where they 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 should have come out on top but for whatever reason the bad luck the bad play calling the injury whatever it was has just stopped this team from achieving it's true I, I guess it's hard to say that though but. It, they just haven't lived up to expectations this year because nobody, I guess, except Vegas, saw this under 10 win total coming. Yeah, they're going to finish eight and nine and to cover the over uh, on that initial bet because I think the initial <laughs> bet was seven and a half, right? Yeah, it's just to prove that. Because I know we all locally were thinking, that's crazy. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. All right, let's wrap that up. We're going to get back into it. We're going to talk about, you know, not only, like, obviously we know what NDA said and we can hear it, but I want to get into kind of like what changes would you make if you did make, as to put the way DA said, drastic changes. Stick around on Inside Black and Gold. 